Welcome back to the show. This is Hayden Oakley, your host. This is the Alt Ego Podcast. This episode is with Kira Neal. She is bass player and, well, soon to be more than just a bass player, I hope, uh, a future static. Um, she's an awesome person, a really great creative mind. She's done a bunch of stuff. She also has like this crochet business, knitting business thing on the side that she's like starting to kick off. Uh, we talk about a bunch of shit. This one's really short, but uh, you know, really packed full of great content. So hopefully you guys are a fan. Um, she's a great girl and this is a great pod. Thanks for checking it out. If you want to get in touch, hit us up on the socials or chuck us an email at altecopod at gmail.com. But here's the show. Okay, thank you for jumping onto the show. How are you going, Kira? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Um, I'm really well. We're uh, right now. We're pretending like we haven't already said hello. This is the hello <laughs> after the hello. Um, but you've been you you were just telling me that you've just uh, you you haven't been working for the past little while, and you're looking to head back into work soon, which will be cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, <laughs> I, w- I work at a, a bistro in a lawn. Bowls Club, so like it is high octane, crazy shit. I'm so <laughs> excited. I mean, Bowls Clubs kind of go off on like a Friday night. I mean, I've I've seen a few youngsters out and about at the Bowls Clubs nowadays. Those are my favorites. Last time we had a group of young people in was like, oh, pre Christmas. It was a work breakup. I think they were like primary school teachers or something, and they brought in their own limes for us to cut up because we don't do cocktails. So they oh, they knew man. and they were prepared. It's great. <laughs> Dude, that sounds so rough. I mean, like, I had a I had a um, work party at a bowls club once, and like the vibe's super weird. I mean, this one was like an inner city one, and it was like there's like ladies getting cocktails in the corner. There's a bunch of old dudes like trying to get a game of bowls in, and then there's like a bunch of just like footy guys, pretty much, just like running around with pints. Hectic. That sounds like yeah. a good time. Was there was there a meat raffle as well? That's usually the good one. Yeah, there was no meat rifle that night, but surely that happens on a Wednesday, surely. <laughs> awesome. So, um, you know, this show is all about uh, artists and creators and their journey from, I don't know, I guess, uh, a, a sprouting uh, creative mind through to, you know, current day when they're out there putting art out into the world. Um, and so I'd just like to start off by asking you, where did you come from creatively? What was... I guess, like, the first thing that you did creatively and how old were you? Um, well, my thing, I, I've always been less of, like, a creator, like, like songwriter than I have been just, like, a performer because when I was 18 months old, like, I was barely walking. My mum was teaching a tiny little, like, kinder dance class and so I joined in on that. So I've always done... Um, I've, I've always danced and like song and dance and that kind of thing was and tap were my favorite things which were kind of a bit more musical playing with rhythm getting to sing and I joined like school choirs and I did um, there was a year two violin program and so I, I've done like I've, I've played instruments and I've been in choirs all through like my schooling and everything um, and I didn't really get to like writing anything until I was an angsty teen. I gave it a bit of a go. I started doing like, I started learning guitar when I was in about year nine, I think. Cause before that I'd done piano for a little while and my teacher had tried to get me to do exams and I was, wasn't into that. And then I moved over to guitar with um, this awesome 22 year old guy who was in a grunge band and he just like 
whenever I'd say, oh, I don't know what I want to play this week, he'd just give me whatever was on Triple J at the time. And that was just like fun and it took all the pressure off. And I think that's kind of where I started really like loving music and wanting to write more stuff because it wasn't like the pressure of like exams and competitions. I'd been dancing in competitions all my life. Um, it was just, yeah, a bit of fun. And then when um, our, our old, old, old lead singer, um, Bree, who left us at the start of the year, to, to do her own thing like it was a, it was very mm. amicable but um she's been my best friend since year seven and she got me into like initially like your classic pop punks your your panic at the discos your my chems your, your fallout boys um and when we graduated high school um she didn't end up going to uni I took a gap year and mm. we started writing cute little pop punk songs and then, <laughs> then and was that then that, that was the start of future static yeah, pretty much. We had a we we played um, Christmas songs together at Cranbourne Music, and then kind of went well. Let's try and do our own thing. Um, and then we managed to get in Ryan, um, who had done drama with Bree in school when they were younger. And then our original drummer Shay was from our high school, but she was a couple of years ahead of us. And she was mm. so cool because um, we <laughs> the. She she came to us. We put out a couple of Facebook posts, but we knew that like we were so keen to have her because her, uh, there was a house talent show at one point, and her big performance was drumming blindfolded. <laughs> so sick! <laughs> it was really cool. That's awesome. So that was early. That was so that was like you know high school years. So before that, you know, you said you were like doing like dancing and you know a little bit of singing like really early on. Was that like a push from your parents? Or was that you being like, oh, I want to do this? Well, that that was actually because um, it was it was during the day. My dad worked in the city, um, and so like mum just couldn't be bothered like t- sending me to my grandparents every week when I could just like wander around the class. And eventually. I learned the end of year concert dance just by being in the room and mum wasn't going to put me in the concert, but the, the principal of the school said, well, she, she knows the routine. She can get up there with the other kids. It's fine. Um, and my mum always tells the story of after that performance, I came off stage crying and she was like, oh no, I've scarred her for life. She's never going to want to get on stage again. And I said to her, well, why aren't we doing it again? When we do it in class, we do it heaps of times to practice it. Why aren't can we go back? Can we do it again? <laughs> oh, I love that. You're only sad because you're not on stage anymore. That's so good. Exactly. I, yeah. And I, I stuck it out. I danced for 20 years. I, I, the last couple of years were just to get the 20 year trophy at the end. But like, yeah, like that's, that's, that's me. I'm, I'm a shy little person in real life, but chuck me on a stage with a good routine and some jazz hands and I got you. <laughs> that's so cool so you started off doing like dancing and stuff um when how old were you when you like first started picking up like anything musical you said you did a bit of violin and some other stuff was that like primary school yeah yeah so the violin was um yeah primary school I started that in year two and kept on going to year six and then about year three I joined the school choir and then when I moved I moved schools for high school um yeah I picked up piano and joined the the bigger school choir there which was like a big deal like everyone was in the school choir because I was in an all-girls school and so like Mm. that was the cool thing to do was being choir but that was (laughs) it was really good um and did all the musicals um 
dancing mostly in those. Mm. And yeah, and then it was it was all I, I I kind of like felt like I had to step up for the dance stuff because um there wasn't a lot of us and like I, I was never gonna be a full time dancer. Like I did those twenty years, but I'm not super flexible. Um I wasn't ever gonna be professional, but I have a dancer's brain. Like I remember the routines, I know what I'm doing. So I kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. felt like I had to step up for that stuff and which kind of meant that I didn't I always kind of wanted to step up as like try out like the acting roles and the singing roles and that kind of thing. But I felt like I had to be a dancer. Like I never yeah, really. Yeah, like stay in your lane kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So when, um, when we started doing band stuff, like it wasn't out of left field for me to do something musical and something performing, but it was for me to go in that direction rather than like a musical theater direction or like a contemporary dance direction. Yeah, it was like especially not heavier what... stuff. <laughs> exactly, not exactly what your parents were expecting, I guess. No, I don't. I don't think so at all. What What was um, what was your family relationship like in those early years? So you know, you said that your mum was teaching the dance class. Was it a dance class or was it a school thing? Yeah, no, it was a dance class. She she's a, she is a high school teacher. That's her main job. But when mm. at at that point, she was taking a couple of years off because she had me and then my brother a couple of years later. So she was home with the kids until I was in kind of later primary school um yeah but yeah she because she grew up doing calisthenics and dance as well so like she never pushed me into it if I said I wanted to do soccer or something they would have let me do that but like that was kind of the thing in my um my whole family are big into theater and stuff so that just was kind of the natural progression and um my dad built all the set for all the concerts at the end of the year as well so it was all kind of everyone was in into it together that's awesome. So, like, so, you know, always supportive, I'm guessing, on, on the uh, on the musical front then, of course, coming from, like, you know, a bit of a, I don't know, I guess an artistic. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, dan- dance dance is art, but it's, like, it kind of falls into this weird performative kind of thing because, like, people always separate, like, art and dancing as, like, two separate things. But it's, like, it's the same thing, yeah. I feel. It is. It absolutely. And, it, I mean, it can be, like, hugely commercialized, but that's, like, music can be too like mm. art and graphic design and that stuff can be too like it's absolutely it's all kind of how how you want to use those skills and what you want to make out of them yeah yeah so you, you guys got together uh you guys being future static uh you yeah. guys got together in uh early high school days what were those early days like what did you guys um you know play and what, what was what did that look like well we didn't the the, the early stuff that brie and i were writing were like pretty pop punk we got when we, when we started with Ryan and Shay, that was a couple of years out of high school and that was still pretty light initially. Um, but it was, it was a little bit all over the place. Like that's the big comment about Want, which was our first EP from 2018, I think we dropped that, um, was like the, the songs are like, they sound good and they're cohesive, but like as a record, the songs are a bit all over the place. We're not quite sure if the genre is like pop punk or like there's a bit of dad rock in there. Like there's Shiver, which is the opening track, which is weirdly heavier compared to everything else. Like we didn't, we hadn't quite found ourselves yet. Like there, there's some stuff in it that sounds like solid and writing wise, it's really solid. Like Ryan does most of the instrumental writing and he he knows what he's doing, but we just kind of hadn't figured out our style yet which meant that when we went into fatalist we very clearly 
had found a direction before we went into it. We we knew we wanted to go. Yeah. Well, well, we we actually Fatalist was funny because we we had a couple of songs written post want that were um they 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 were kind of like melodic hardcorey. They were like a bit heavier than pop punk, but. Um, they kind of felt like the stuff, the last few songs that we'd written, like Hits Home and Daylight, they kind of felt the same. And then we had, we'd booked in time with Chris Vernon, we recorded Fatalist with, and mm. we booked in pre-pro time. And <laughs> a couple of weeks beforehand, um, I get this message from Bree saying, Ryan came over today and we basically rewrote the whole record. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> Six, uh, sweet. Can't wait to hear that. that. And they were like, this is the kind of music that we could play a show with, like, Thornhill. That's that's the goal for this. Think think that direction. And I was like, okay, sounds like fun. Let's give it a go. And it, and it was sick and it was it was good. I think it was definitely the right move to rewrite it in the first place. But it was also good that they did it kind of basically all in one mm. with a real sense of direction that we never really had before that. Yeah, it so that... for us, I think. So that that was Fayless. That was twenty twenty. Your last one that was want in twenty eighteen. How old were you guys then? Um, twenty eighteen. I was uh twenty. I just turned twenty one when we released. Just turned twenty one. And yeah. you guys are all around like the same age, right? Yeah, I'm I'm the youngest, but not by much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now you say your first thing you did was want, but Bandcamp is telling me otherwise. I can see a single from 2016 called Slow. What was that? Uh, Slow's fun. Slow's a cute little like pop funky song, which we recorded with Bree's brother, Brent, and his housemate, Rick. They're from um, Fever Speak. Mm. Is that the first thing you guys did? Yeah, that was the first one we recorded. And Slow's like very close to my heart. I really love that song. We don't play it anymore, but... I'd like to bring it back at some point because it is really cute. How did, how did that come together? Like, so you guys obviously like wrote the song or whatever and you went to, um, whose brother was it again? Bree's brother, Brent Marsh. Bree's brother, right. Yeah. Um, so you went to him and how did that recording experience go for you guys? Like, so that, well, that would have been your first time recording properly, right? Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't like very, it wasn't like overly professional. It was a laptop mm. brought into, um, it was a laptop brought into our rehearsal studio. Um, we were at Pony in Hallam at the time. And yeah, yeah we just kind of worked through it. And it, it was it was all right. It's, it's not like the, the, the highest quality, but it, it, was, it was a good it was learning your first experience, experience just to give though. it a go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, go- going into that, what, like, were there any preconceptions you had about, you know, recording music that you know, were kind of shattered for you? Did you have like a preconceived idea of how that process was going to go? And then you're like, oh, wait, no, that's not how that works. Or was any of that? Not really, but I think that's only because I was like so inexperienced. Like the, yeah. the, the like, like I knew that it wasn't going to be like, like in the movies in like a big old studio. Like mm. I knew it was just going to be like hooked up to a laptop. Let's see how this goes. But, um, but yeah, no, it just, we got a song at the end of it. That was the important thing yeah. at the time. Yeah, and you guys weren't playing shows back then, were you? Yeah, we were. We were. It was mostly like like Wrangler shows and stuff like that. Mm. It was. It was. It was little things, but it was. It was enough to get ourselves out there. And even if the music wasn't super high quality, um, at that point, 
the the main feedback that we were getting then was that our performance was really good like we put on a good show the songs were like fun enough to get into and so a big part of us getting shows in those early days was actually um yeah Jaden and Dean from Wrangler kept on putting us up for stuff because they enjoyed us and they thought that we could get somewhere which was really really sweet of them we owe a lot to them they were the first people that really believed in us that's so cool. That's I mean, like you, everyone needs to have that like early backer to like kind of get you going because like how else are you like I don't know like being a kid just being like yeah so I want to play music in front of people how the hell do I do that? Absolutely, <laughs> you know, so. and that yeah, and anytime any like small bands or people who are just starting out like ask us where do we go, we always say start with Wrangler, go from there because yeah. it's it's the best place to start. Mm, absolutely, so many fucking cool shows have happened there. Like I, I think I saw like. DC play there once to a room of like six people and this was like probably like the last show they played in Melbourne before they were playing on the Pride Lands tour I think yeah and it's just like insane seeing the difference like literally within six months of seeing them play to a room of six people to like a packed out room like people going nuts like singing words back to them it was so insane it's fucking wild how that happens like so many but Wrangler's just a seen. breeding ground you know Oh, it's the best. It's the best energy. If you, if you get the right room, like I have, I have been in there when there's been like fucking barely anyone, but the, the joy of being in a small room like that is that you don't need that many people to get a good energy show. It just, Absolutely. it just feels really nice. So uh, after slow, there was another one too far down. You want to tell me about too far down? Too far down was good. Too far down was a bit of a change for us because it was a lot, a lot of the songs that we were kind of trying to write and ended up throwing out were were good but they were very kind of by the book um too far down kind of came with ryan it's it's only like a a two like a part a part b song it's like a um like a a soft guitar like clean guitar bit and then a heavy chorus section and it basically just came from ryan playing through that that clean section over and over and over again and we just kind of ended up building it just sitting there in practice jamming kind of pulling something out and then mm. jumping to the chorus and building that up. And then we've pulled the song together from that. And that one's another one that's really special. Um, also, also recorded with Bree's brother? Um, no, that was the first time we went to Darcy Handley um, in his, his little little house, little back room in Reservoir. Um, and that, that was really fun as well. He, um, he, we ended up going back to him to record Want. And then um, he helped us record when we were in with cv for fatalist he's Mm. like darcy handley is like the unofficial fifth member of future static like if 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 you if there's anything to do with future static darcy's in there somewhere he's he's a legend and he really kind of that that was a bit of a step up for us kind of showing us really what we could do and he had a lot of really good um really good ideas and suggestions without kind of pushing us too much because like it, it was at a point where he was learning as much as we were. So it was a really good collaboration at that point yeah. for both of us. Yeah, absolutely. Because I know, I, I, like, I know Darcy, like, I know, kind of in, in a pretty brief sense, like, we've, like, we catch up and we chat every now and then. But um, back then in 2017, how much producing had he done? Because that was pretty early days for him, right? Not a huge amount. I think he'd done a bit for, like, the demos. Like, mates and of- stuff. Yeah, because he was in um, Bridge the Border back then. And so I think mm. he'd done a lot for Bridge the Border. And I think he was still at uni at that point as well because he was at 
JMC, I think, is where he studied. And so, like, yeah, he had, I don't think he'd done a, a lot at that point, but it, it still came out really well. Like, we were really, like, pleasantly surprised with how mm. well that turned out. And so, after doing Too Far Down, um, obviously, you guys worked with him again on Want. Um, so, that was just, like, an easy decision for you guys. It's like, yeah, this is, like, oh, yeah. a much better experience than the first time. Let's do this again. Oh, absolutely. And, like, um, that, that, was, that was still, like, very much a... Um, we're helping him as much as he was helping us. Um, mm. I don't think he'd done a full EP before that or maybe he'd done one at that point. Um, but that that was really good because at that point he'd moved back to his parents' place in Warrigal. And so we had this like big, beautiful drive um, like with the, the view out the window of the beautiful countryside. And there was a couple of times where there were a couple of lyrics that Brie didn't quite have. And so Darcy would just like kick her out and say, hey, go for a walk, figure it out while we were doing other (laughs) stuff. It's great. It was, it was a good time. And it just, it kind of, it it felt like school camp those couple of weeks that we were up there with him. It was great. How, um, so you, you spent a couple of weeks up there. How did you guys manage that? Would you, we just like staying out of room up at his place? No, we were, we were driving. (laughs) We we were driving back and forth. Yeah. Uh, It was, it was on and off um for for a bit of it that the last kind of the last few days were like back to back but it was oh so it was like a weekend here weekend there yeah yeah cool so want what kind of doors did want open up for you guys because i feel like that was when i kind of like after you guys released that that's when i kind of like realized oh this is like a band and like they're in my area and i know who they are um what kind of doors did that open up for you guys um, that one was, uh, I think it was good to kind of just set us up in the local scene in general. Like it kind of cemented us as not just one of those random bands you see on flies every so often. Like, um, and it got us, it wasn't long after we did our EP show for want that we got onto Bellhaven's all ages show on their you, me and everything in between tour, which was a big deal for us. That was mm crazy big for us and with that they're a band that we really look up to um so that that felt really good and then going I don't I don't know that we did a lot that was much bigger than that but it, it also it, it more helped us with networking um it meant that we could meet a lot of really good bands that we've ended up playing shows with since then um got us closer to to, to Chris so that we could record this next record and um bands like like reside, um, bridge the border. We met at our first show, um, Terra, and all these kind of local bands that we've made really good friends with that we've learned a lot from that we've got to play shows with. Um, that was kind of the main thing. Like I feel like once we kind of got the respect of other artists in the scene that were kind of at our level or a bit higher, that kind of cemented our place a bit more. Mm, mm, absolutely. So yeah, cool. Finish up with you know, the, the want cycle, um, you guys went to work with Chris, uh, instead of Darcy. Now I know when you guys went into work with him, they were actually living together, but, um, what, what like kind of led to that decision for you guys? How did, how did that come about? Well, that, that was more, um, at the end of, once we finished recording want Darcy ended up sending it to Chris for a mix and master. And he said like, he said to us, you guys are doing really cool stuff. If you guys want to step it up, Chris Vernon is the next step up. Like, um, and, and at that point, we knew we'd probably end up recording with him anyway. It was, it was 
um, like they were living together, they were working together. He'd have a massive hand on the record anyway, and he did. That's what ended up happening anyway. Um, but yeah, mm. we knew we knew that if we wanted to really make this something serious, especially because it was heavier music and more in the style of the stuff that Chris does, um, it, it was worth the investment. And we it, we were right; it was worth the investment. Mm, absolutely. So. Uh, starting off on that process um, of, of putting together that record, I guess you guys would have come in with a bunch of demos and stuff. Um, and then you said that everything got rewritten one day. <laughs> how how yeah. how far in? So I guess like was that like what like a week out from like going into record or something like that? Pretty much. Like we went to Chris with iPhone recordings of an acoustic guitar and Bree singing. <laughs> like that's what we <laughs> gave him, which which was really good. Like so, some of the songs that like with like that basic on the demo Ryan had like proper riffs for but it also mm. gave us a lot of freedom to work with Chris and for him to kind of build up on on ideas that weren't quite finished and um and build up on like harmonies and extra guitar parts because that was before we came before we got um Jackson and Jack in before we had a second guitarist um Ryan always had like ideas for the second and third layers of guitar but because we were mostly just doing stuff for the sake of a live show, we were writing for for one guitar, one bass, um, yeah. and so that kind of I think that taught Ryan a lot about um, writing for multiple parts as much as it did allowing for like creativity and and teamwork, um, yeah. and really like building something rather than just like coming in and say hey this is what we're doing, and yeah. not not really growing from there. So on that record, how much pre pro did you guys do? Uh, I think we had a a week's worth, five days maybe. Yeah, um, and so it was in that time you kind of turned these like acoustic jams into like like the fully fledged songs. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd be interested to see like what was is isn't it adaptive manipulator? That's that song that it's just like literally just like a fucking <laughs> a minute a minute and a half of, of yeah like, shredding and screaming. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder how that would have sounded on acoustic guitar. <laughs> Oh fuck! I don't. Yeah, I, I I would love to go back and listen to those. I haven't heard them since that pre-pro week, but just I w- I would be interested to like hear that and then listen to the EP. That's think, great. Oh fuck, it's wild. Cool. So, um, working with Chris, obviously different kind of situation. Darcy would have been in the room as well, I guess, because you know he was there, and you, like you said, he's the fifth member of the band. Um, what what kind of massive differences did you feel in between working with Darcy on Want and working with Chris on Fatalist? Um, honestly, like it wasn't it wasn't a super different feeling in the room. I think they're both really good at like having fun in the work and also saying, okay, "Shut up, that's dumb. We're doing this for for good reason, not to shut us down, but just to say, like, to to give like a sense of perspective." Um, and like these are the moments where you should really give a shit about what you're doing and these are the moments where you're overthinking it chill out mm. um but i think i think with chris it was just um just just like having his experience especially in um working in heavier music that we we'd kind of dipped our toe into but we hadn't really pushed as much um previously um that that was the biggest difference i think was just kind of knowing that we had someone in the room who really knew what he was doing um, mm. and would point us in the right direction w- without like 
taking over. Like he, he never took over. He always asked us, is this cool with you? And if we, if we were going to say no, he would respect that. But um, we also respected that he knew better than us <laughs> most of the yeah. time. And um, uh, we were keen to like really explore his ideas as much as ours. Yeah. I mean, like that dude, he's just got such a brain for fucking heavy music. Like I know for like a long time, he was like the pop punk guy, but like everything he's done that's heavy. I'm just like, fuck, this is so sick. It's just like, I don't know, he's just a good songwriter, I think. I think that's the main thing. Oh, yeah. But, um, cool. So, you guys kind of uh, did Fatalist. Um, and then, I guess, after that, you started putting together, like, all the media for that. Now, when you guys put out this record, you did a bunch of, like, really good music videos and, like, a whole heap of social media content and stuff like that. Um how did so when where did the planning for the visuals of Fatalist start and I don't know what what kind of role did you play in that? Um, well, we started um, the the videos were actually really fun. It's been music videos have been something that we've really wanted to get into for a while. We just never had like the money or the time for want. Um, so when we got into Fatalist, we knew that we wanted to do a do a really serious full campaign we wanted to properly do PR we wanted music videos we wanted to have the lot and like show that we were really serious about this stuff and Ryan and I have both got we haven't got film degrees we've got three quarters of a film degree (laughs) Um, so we've always been really excited to do film stuff and Ryan had um, a really strong idea for a while that ended up turning into the the choke music video about kind of being trapped in in your own fears and anxieties which worked really well for the themes that the lyrics were bringing for that record and that song in particular um so we ended up going to um ariel johnson from reside and liam davidson lord media um because like i've had my i've been like in behind the scenes with a lot of resides music videos just for the fun of it because i'm friends with those boys and also because of my little bit of onset experience um and so I knew that when we got round to it, they would be the perfect people to get in on it. Um, and so, yeah, so so we got them in for the Choke music video. Um, kind of had a rough idea of like color scheme and storyline and kind of let that be our first kind of fool around with what we can do, what we can, can accomplish on our, on our low budget and still make interesting and um, really represent the music. And then we went back um, cause we wanted, we had the idea after we did the choke video of saying, well, nobody's really heard from us from a little while. Nobody's really expecting much. Let's just, let's just drop AM this random loud screamy thing with a video out of nowhere and see what happens. And hopefully that'll catch some people's attention. And that kind of did. And so that was a fun one as well. Um, like three hour shoot, really easy. <laughs> Just running around a white room and then Lord put some cool colours on top of it and it it kind of had the impact that we wanted, which was really nice. Um, and then we went back and did... So we dropped the Choke music video and then we did Dead End, which was another one that was really fun with that bit more of experience. Um, we there, there was a couple of concepts, but that one was a bit of a rush job. We, we kind of realised, oh, shit, we need an actual second single like am doesn't really count as a single um and we Mm. really love dead end um so the the initial idea was to keep it really simple was to have just like the white room um kind of flashing between like lit and unlit um 
nothing crazy, but just like fun. And then Lord came back in with his beautiful artistic, like he, he frame by frame drew all over that. It took him days. Like it was the, the, the morning that we had to give it to, to our PR, he had it finished. It oh, was man. it was so tight, but it so looks so good. So you guys were so working good. on this all at the same time as doing the release campaign. Pretty much, yeah. Like <laughs> we, uh, I'm sure. Way to put yourselves we, under pressure. Because <laughs> uh, we were working with Collision Course with um with Ophelia Simons, and she was so patient with us. She was so good. Like I was kind of the go between for most of it, and the amount of times I had to say, "I'm so sorry, but it'll be worth it. I promise, we'll get it to you in time." I'm so sorry. And it, it worked out in the end, but like that, that was a very stressful <laughs> couple of weeks. Oh man. Pressure makes diamonds, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It worked out. Oh, that's so good. I love that. Um, so cool. So you guys put out that record, um, you know, in comparison to putting out want, how did that, you know, what, what, what did that do for you guys? Um, that, I mean, it's a little bit hard to say. The problem with this release was just timing because we had our, our single release show for Choke on the 13th of March, right before the first lockdown. We yeah. picked our timing perfectly. Like that was the last time we could really go out or do anything. And we, we sold out that show. That was a huge night. That was so much fun. We did really Where well. Where was that? That was a whole lot of love. We started small. Mm. We had um, Furious George, Excuse for an Exit, and... You're about to get called out. (laughs) That's really bad. That's really bad. I feel so bad. Oh, my God. (laughs) Whoever you are, uh, just on behalf of Kira, fuck you, dog. No, I'm I'm looking it up because I feel really bad. It was oh oh no oh no. <laughs> Whoever you are, you absolutely have the right to call me out. <laughs> the boys rang. Stand tall. They Stand said- tall. Oh no, they're old mates. I feel really bad about that. Sorry, guys. Um, but yeah, no, that was a really good night. That was really fun. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, and then. We released, I, th- I can't remember if Dead End had dropped before that or after that. Oh, it was just after that. Um, and then, yeah, the EP dropped, um, yeah, start of April. And then mm. we haven't really been able to do anything since. We- we've had some decent plays and we've had some really nice feedback. Um, but the-, the plan was absolutely, let's do this record. Yeah. We'll like... We'll, we'll do tours. We'll like do like Sydney swap shows. We'll we'll get out there. This will be the record that like really gets us out yeah. of Melbourne, and then, and then we were stuck in Melbourne. So you know. Oh, dude, that sucks. Were you guys at least getting offers to do some of that cool shit that just never panned out? Well, we never really got the chance. Like we we got were the we to were ask ema- the question. Yeah, yeah we we were emailing people. We were in touch with a couple of bands um in Sydney, but then. It all petered yeah. out because there wasn't anything we could do and we couldn't really plan for the future that much. Like yeah. we were kind of saying, well, by like September, by November. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then and then obviously um Bree, she parted ways with the band. So what what happened there? That that was more just um Bree Bree's 
Brie loves heavy music and she loves like pop punk stuff and she she loves like this kind of the scene, but it's not everything that she does. She loves she's big into pop music. She's a huge Lady Gaga fan. Um trained for musical theatre for years and it just was reaching a point where this wasn't really what she wanted to do anymore. Um, mm. And she's um, she works really well by herself. Like I think she was always going to end up being a solo artist and there was a few times over the years where she kind of wanted to go in a different direction and we kind of pulled her back in because we love her and she's talented and we love working with her. Um, but it kind of reached a point where she was like, I love you guys and I stuck it out for this release, but I really need to go and do my own thing. And and we yeah. absolutely agreed with that and support her and she's already writing cool stuff and she's still posting stuff. So um, we, we hope that, I, I at least hope that we can work with her again in some way, but um, but I think that's going to be, it's going to be better for all of us. It's just going to, we, we, we want people in the band who are in it 100% and have their heart in it. And if her heart's yeah. not in it, then I'd rather her be doing something she loves. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, it's good that it's like amicable and healthy because like, man, people get, people get really caught up on like, I don't know, other people not having like the same vision. And then all of a sudden it becomes like this weird thing. It was like, oh, you abandoned us. And it's, it's, it's good that like you haven't got that, yeah. that, I guess, relationship. Oh, yeah. No, like the the first thing I did after this last lockdown was was message Brie and we went to the drive-in together. Like she's she's my best friend no matter what. It just, mm. it didn't work out for this thing. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So moving into the future, what's what's the plan for you guys? What what? How do you plan on navigating this whole situation? Because I know that like, I know at least two of you in the band are able to sing. Are you guys going to keep it in-house or are you going to go outside? Well, that that has has been the plan. Um, we got a couple of rehearsals in between lockdowns, and um, so yeah, so we've been giving it a go where where I've been singing, which has been really fun. And Ryan's been doing a bit more of the scream stuff, which has also been cool. Trying to do like a bit of a like make them suffer kind of thing, mm. um, because I I was taking singing lessons with David Delahaz from Bellhaven for a while before Bree left just to. Because like she, there, there are so many cool harmonies on Fatalist. I wanted to make sure that that I was nailing them on stage. And then when that happened, I, I didn't like push for it at first. But I kind of, I kind of said when we were talking about like auditioning people, I was like, could could I give it a go? Can I could I try? Let me just, let me guys, just give it a go. Guys, come on. Think think of how much time and effort we'd have to spend. You know, oh, going and finding, finding people. people. Oh, It'll be so easy. Bang. If I just, you know, no, that's cool. I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, what that looks like and what that sounds like, dude. Yeah, um, so I guess the other thing I wanted to talk to you about on the pod today, um, during lockdown, you started like doing a whole heap of knit and crochet stuff. I mean, that's already been like a hobby of yours and like always posting about it. Um, yeah. And recently you've started putting some shit up to buy and it looks like you're you're trying to get a little some side hustle going. You want to tell me about that journey, how that started, and like um, how yeah. how you got to here. Well, I I've always I've since I was like in primary school, um, I've been knitting not not like hugely, but Mum and I would try and do like a scarf every winter holidays or something just for something to do. Um, and then when I hit twenty one and was going to a heap of twenty first. Um, I was very poor, but I wanted to give my friends presents that were like meaningful, but didn't cost me a lot of money. So I'd give them all a scarf because it was like handmade. Sorry, one second. Okay. But, you know, I would, I would, um, 
I was knitting my friends scarves for birthday presents and then that turned into me um, starting to do like beanies and jumpers and then learning how to crochet because that was a different skill that I wanted to try and started making stuffed toys out of that and then yeah moving out of home um, and being stuck on JobKeeper for months I wanted to make a little bit of extra money and also use up all this time that I've had at home not doing anything and these like little toys that I've been making only take like a day so that's that's been fun and designing them myself because that's not something I've done before that's not a, mm. a skill I've really tried yet so I've got lots of little dudes up there I've got a little alien little dinosaur I've been doing um a red panda I had a friend request a red panda so that's been hell yeah yeah it's a little bit antithetical to the to the heavy heavy music side <laughs> of things but it's fun and it's and it's different absolutely I think I think it's really cool and like I, I love the idea it's like <laughs> Each of these things takes you like a day and it's like, well, you got on a list of like, what, 15 bucks? It's like, I'm pretty sure it's a little bit below minimum wage. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit. No, I've got, I've got the, the, the earrings are 15 bucks. They're like, the, the little stuffed toys are like 25. It's hard though, because like, especially like even knitting jumpers for friends, like I've had a couple of people ask for them and I've charged them. I kind of go, well, what would I pay for in a store for that? And then chuck like... 20 bucks handmade tax on that when really if I was counting my hours and my time and my expertise that would be like a $400 jump up I was like nah 70 bucks <laughs> it's all good yeah I mean like it, it's, a, it's a difficult line to tread especially with like friends and stuff yeah and especially because like no one's gonna buy a tiny little stuffed dinosaur for like 80 bucks <laughs> like you would be surprised I, I would love if they did but oh I, okay, would you? Would you buy a tiny little stuffed dinosaur for 80 bucks? No, not me, but you got like, I don't know. Like, it just depends. Like, I, I don't know. I reckon you could get there. It's just like, you got to build up that like, it's like, you know, you know, like Supreme, Supreme t-shirts. It's like, oh, it's just a fucking t-shirt that says Supreme on it, but there's only 50. And so people are yeah. like, oh, fuck. I yeah, need true. one of those 50. Yeah, maybe I need to do like a, a limited offer thing. Only five stop putting the fucking the word supreme <laughs> <laughs> on, on your fucking little stuffed dinosaurs. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm deadly afraid of, like, licensing and copyright. I've had so many people say, oh, you should make a Pokemon or you should do, like, Legend of Zelda stuff. And I'm like, no, no, I'll get in trouble. Yeah, I'll make it, but I'm not going to sell it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Cash under the table, no one can know. Yeah, that's it, that's it. Fucking... Um, commissions only uh yeah, exactly. and no you can't post about it no <laughs> pretty much yeah awesome so outside of that what else what else you got going on what is there do you guys have plans with future uh, uh sorry i was about to say uh future dress because i mixed up in my head your band and that band static dress Ah, okay. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, I was like, future dress now. Um, so future static. So you know, what 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 have you guys got? Like, I guess, like planned at the moment. Are you writing stuff? Are you yeah, kind of just not we, sure. A, a little bit not sure. Um, we 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 had started writing a couple of things in the break between lockdowns, but um, yeah, we we moved out. Like all four of us have moved house in the last couple of months. Like it's all been a bit crazy, and we haven't really been able to see each other. So the plan Time is to get. Yeah, the 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 plan is to to get a couple of singles out and then do a follow up to Fatalist. But um, at the moment we're just kind of been been chilling out a bit, which I I think we needed. Like that that whole release was awesome, but it was 
it was a lot of work in a very short amount of time by the time we'd recorded it. Um, and so I think like kind of the break and the distance um, make everything come together a bit better once we do get in a room together. And I'm, I'm really keen to, I'm so keen to, to jam, to play a show. I miss my friends. I miss music. I just want to get yeah. back to it. Absolutely. And that's, I think, I think that's a pretty fair assessment of how everyone's feeling at the moment. Everyone oh, just wants yeah. to get back into it. I mean, I'm so jealous of Sydney. Um, oh, yeah. Because you see that that Bloom show that that's like sold out two yeah. nights or something like that. Yeah. I'm just like, man, I just want to go to see a fucking band. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I saw, yeah. Because New South Wales are doing like something like the, a thousand gigs to try to like drum up tourism. And as soon as I saw Ia Hart out posting a couple of things about that, I was yeah. like, okay, this is this is a joint New South Wales ARIA thing. So they might do a joint ARIA Victoria thing. So like yeah. keep your eyes peeled because I want to get on a show so bad. Yeah, well, apparently there's a bunch of funding that's supposed to be coming to, um, to Melbourne for the art sector. I know that the grants, because they did like a, a grant program for Victoria and that's yeah. supposed to be rolling out um, after November. So at like by end of November, the funding should be like allocated and then stuff starts happening in like January for I hope so. creative grants. But um, yeah, I'm just, I'm sick and I'm tired. Give me back my fucking shows. Give them back. There's only so many weekends you can spend at home. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So sick of it. I just want to yell angry stuff at people who are yelling angry stuff at me. That's hey. the whole point, and I miss it. Yeah, exactly. You're gonna have so much anger ready to go for the for the next, you know, piece of work with uh, Future Static, man. But um, oh, cool. shit, yeah. I have had a great time talking to you. Um, we'll wrap this one up here. Is there anything that you want to plug before we finish up? Other than, I guess, you know, the obvious ones. Yeah, I think just, yeah, have a, have a spin of Fatalist. It, it means the world to us. We worked really hard on it and then COVID squashed our dreams. So if you could give it one <laughs> spin, that would be really nice. Please, sir, may I have one more? And uh, where can people buy your crochets and knits and where can they find so your socials? If you jump onto Etsy, you can just search my name, Kira Neal. My shop's Kira Neal Designs. Um, or on Instagram, I'm there on Kira Neal, and then um, KN Knit and Crochet is my Knit and Crochet Instagram. Otherwise, just search up Future Static, and you'll find us on pretty much everything you'd expect to find us. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you for jumping on the show. Um, you stick for around for a me. bit. That's all good. I uh, just stick around for a bit, and I will sort out the end of it. But um, we can say bye to the world now. Oh, bye world. Bye world. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Also, what song do you want to play at the end? Oh, Dead End would be good. Dead End's a banger. Dead End to close out the show. Perfect. Well, real goodbye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, world. See you later. Bye.
of silence is overwhelming.